Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. We have been talking about um, the Christian's um, role and responsibility within the public st- sphere. Uh, We've answered some objections. You know, some people think that the political sphere is a place of off limits for Christians and that we shouldn't participate in those things. And I feel like we've we've answered some of those objections. And then the last couple of days, we've talked about um, the idea of national covenant. Um, And of course, there's an explicit way that that is played out. Uh, We saw that John Winthrop with the early Puritans when they came to America, they made a covenant with God formally. And but we also see that there is a, a generic sense in which God is in um, relationship uh, with with every nation, and you see that explicitly in the Old Testament, where you, you go to the book of Isaiah or you go to the book of Jeremiah, and you see God doling out judgment against the Moabites or the Philistines or Babylon or whatever, and the grounds for which He doles out punishment for all these nations is that they've broken His law. Um, well, he's actually written his law in our hearts. Right. So, you know, I mean, this is a bit of natural theology that yeah. we that we know right and wrong, uh, even apart from uh, you know the Ten Commandments themselves. He's written that on. It's, it's you know, I mean, we see it. People do certain things in darkness that they wouldn't do in broad daylight. They yeah, do right. they do it undercover. They do it when because they because nobody know it's because wrong. it's written on their heart. Right. Yep. And that I, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because some people might be thinking, well, where did they get the law from? And that that answers that question right away. They got it from the the, the law that God put on their heart, Romans two, fifteen and sixteen, somewhere in there. Okay, so um in light of all that, um how how does this work out practically? And and specifically, I'm I want to ask the question today. If, if God kind of blesses or curses nations as people groups based on their obedience or disobedience to them, how then should we vote? Um, are there basic principles that we should bring into the vote, voting booth with, with us? Is Jesus Lord of the voting booth? Um, so let's, let's turn to um, – do you have Second Chronicles 19 open there, Paul? I do. Can you read that? It's a short chapter. Can we read it together and just use that as our talking points today? Absolutely. Second Chronicles chapter 19. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Ashtaroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. So, Jonathan, what is Jehu talking about? Why is why is why why can Jehoshaphat be called a good king, but then wrath is going out against him? What's going on? Do you remember? 
You'll have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother. Well, yeah. So I, I'm, I know that you're right in the middle of Judges, so um, that probably wasn't a fair question. But this is, he, he, the prophet comes against him because Jehoshaphat had lined up with Ahab. And Ahab was, you know, the one of the most wicked kings that, that Israel ever had. And he, he, he aligned himself with him because he had his son marry uh, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. And of course, this wreaked havoc in their life later on. Uh, Jehoshaphat should never have made this alliance with Ahab because Ahab was a wicked, wicked king. Well, I could say the same thing from, from Judges, you know, because that's where I've been looking at. Um, Israel's supposed to go into the land and possess the land. Uh, they have a responsibility, and God is there in covenant with God. God says, I'll, I won't break my covenant with you, and you're not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You're mm-hmm. not to be in a covenant with them. Uh, you're, there's a, you have responsibilities before God, he was telling them. But what happened was they did begin to make covenants. They yeah. said, hey, we'll just live alongside with you without, you know, We'll be nice, you be nice, that sort of thing. And God says, I'm not going to, so now, I'm not going to drive out the nations before you. They're going to become a thorn in your flesh, and their gods will be a snare to you. Uh, you know, so, the, you know, this is, he's reminding them, I'm not breaking covenant with you, Yeah. but, and, and I'm still your God, but I'm going to allow this to happen. Yeah. And one, the same thing happened with Jehoshaphat's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Jehoshaphat died, his oldest son, who was married to Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, then killed all mm-hmm. of Jehoshaphat's other siblings in order to prevent any kind of, you know, overthrow of the throne. And so Jehoshaphat, because he made this covenant with Ahab, his family suffered dearly from it, though he was still a good man. All right. So picking up there, Paul. Jehoshaphat lived at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. He appointed judges in the land in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Consider what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality or taking bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites and priests and heads of families of Israel to give judgment for the Lord and to decide disputed cases. They had their seat at Jerusalem, and he charged them, Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness, and with your whole heart. Whenever a case comes to you from your brothers who live in their cities concerning bloodshed, law or commandment, statutes or rules, then you shall warn them that they may not incur guilt before the Lord and wrath may not come upon you and your brothers. Thus you shall do, and you will not incur guilt. And behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the governor of the house of Judah, in all the king's matters, and the Levites will serve you as officers. Deal courageously, and may the Lord be with the upright. Very good. Okay, so... um, So the whole point is that they need to... uh, exact judgment according to God's law. Right, yeah. I mean, a summary right there. Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a wonderful summary. I mean, in this, now, someone might say, well, this is, uh, 
an Old Testament passage. This is when the theocracy was in Israel, and, and I agree with all that. But the question is, is the principles that are underneath the hood here, um, are, they, are these still abiding principles today? So, you know, Jehoshaphat said, uh, these are the type of uh, people that I'm going to um, appoint, um, people that fear the Lord. And then when he charges them in verse nine, he says, this is how you're supposed to, you know, um, carry out your duties. You're supposed to carry out your duties in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. And, and he mentions areas concerning bloodshed, law or commandment, statutes or rules. You, you know, there are ways in which nations are governed and he's addressing that. Right. Now, here, here's where the controversial thing is. Um, in the last year or two, there have been you know major evangelical leaders who have said very foolish things about that the Bible doesn't tell us uh, who to vote for or how to vote. And I would just say, I agree that there's no ink blots on the page that say, hey, you have to vote for person X. Totally yeah. agree. Who is that? We can put who out of the question, but how is still there. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, because how deals with basic biblical principles so so paul maybe you could you know we, we were talking the other morning maybe you could just run through some basic biblical principles what does it mean to fear the lord in terms of basic biblical principles yeah so first of all i think uh you know in the in the ballot box um as you asked to begin the show is jesus lord over the ballot box uh yes he is and so this has some implications uh for the christian the first i think is uh show up um, I think we can love our neighbor and we can glorify God by uh, by taking part in this process, by uh, by being a part of governance. Governance is not just top down, uh, but we have an active role in that as citizens in this nation. And so showing up, number one. Number two, um, don't buy the the lie that Jesus is not Lord over the ballot box, but he's only Lord just over your private, you know, your private life. Um, you, you can't have a private and a persona on the one hand and a public on the other. So when you go in there, uh, everything that you do in the ballot box says something about God. You're either lying about him or you're telling the truth and you're testifying to the whole world um, that Lord is Lord over all. Um, so I think keeping his law in terms of what exactly you're going for, keeping his law um, before you, some policies in this country that are up for votes and, and, and people who are voting to represent us are running on platforms that are uh, violations of God's law. Um, God's sixth commandment, thou shall not kill. Uh, there are many people who we can vote for where that is part and parcel to their um, holding of office, uh, the, a violation of the Eighth Commandment for others. Um, so so real quick, let's go back to the Sixth Commandment yeah, real quick. Yeah. Uh, the, the most clear one is, is abortion. Look, we're not against abortion uh, just because you know we're, we're conservatives. We're against abortion because the Bible says thou shall not murder. Mm -hmm. And so if your candidate is, if your you know, preferred candidate uh, is right out of the chute breaking the Sixth Commandment, he, he shouldn't even be one of your considerations because you're voting against God's law at that point. Amen. Amen. And um, so you know, certain um, candidates, uh, 
policies that are before us, uh, whether for direct vote or, or candidates that are championing certain causes, I think the Eighth Commandment is very much at stake. Um, the Eighth Commandment, thou shall not steal. And uh, that commandment is predicated upon private property rights. It makes no sense whatsoever if private property rights are not a thing. Teddy and, Roosevelt actually said, you know, it doesn't say thou shalt not steal from the poor man. It says thou shalt not steal. Yeah. And, stop. And so, uh, you know, in some of his policy was against the was against some of the taxation that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Read the, the idea of redistribution of wealth. One of the, the tenets of, of, of Marxism and socialism isn't merely just a different political theory. It's it's rebellion against God's law. So, you know, it, it's it's wildly popular today for young people to to claim that they're that they're socialists and and they they're for the redistribution of wealth. That on paper, it, it, you know, people say, well, it works on paper but it doesn't work in practice. No, it even on paper, it mm-hmm. violates God's law. And so if if you're for a candidate that would break the 6th commandment or the 8th commandment, you're not voting for a candidate that walks in the fear of the Lord. And now now Someone might say, well, that's going to be hard to find in our day, you know, somebody that walks in the fear of the Lord. And I agree, it is. But, mm-hmm. but maybe you can find a candidate whose principles, maybe that candidate is not a Christian. Maybe they're not, they, they don't fear the Lord himself, but maybe their principles. What are their principles? What are their core foundational I- ideas that, that run, you know, their politics? Do those policies fear the Lord? And... Um, you know, there might be a case for an there, there are certain ideologies. We talked about the the law that was written on the heart, and there are some nat- there's some natural theology that takes place where those those ideologies come to the floor, and that person may not be a believer, but he is uh, he, he is his conscience bound to certain principle. That's right. That's right. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. If you want to look at that passage that we just looked at, it's Second Chronicles 19. Very influential passage. Uh, we hope to see you next time.